Uh, welcome to uh, Synergita Talent Cast. Um, I'm Rebel, uh, Head of Global Marketing in Synergita. Uh, today we have a special guest, um, Paul Neven. Paul Neven is a management consultant, author, OKR coach, and noted speaker on the subjects of strategy, strategy execution, objectives, and key results, and balanced forecast. As both a practitioner and consultant, he has developed a successful strategy executing systems for clients large and small in wide variety of organizations, including 14,000 companies, public sector, and nonprofit agencies. Paul is the founder of both OKRstraining.com and the Sinaloza Group. The companies have assisted more than 500 organizations across the globe effectively in executing their strategy. His most recent book, co-written with Ben Lamort, is Objectives and Key Results, Driving Focus, Alignment, and Engagement with OKRs. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for coming. Uh, it's having great having you here. Oh, it's my pleasure, Raghu. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Great. Um, you know, it's now I'm going to ask the obvious question with the whole pandemic that's been happening last one and a half years. Do you see there's a change and that maybe there's a, a more need for OKR in the current landscape? Yeah, I think what's interesting right now is um, you could see uh, I'm at a room in my house here. Uh, so there's so many things changing since the pandemic. I, one of the big challenges that we're all going to have to grapple with is what is what does the future of work look like? Is it going to be all remote? I doubt that. Is it going to be all back yeah. at the office? I doubt that. It's probably going to be some form of hybrid work. And you know, I'm, from the research that I've read, and of course, just speaking from all of our clients around the globe, what they're most concerned about is you know how do you unite pe how do you unite people around a common purpose if they're in disparate locations? So if we're not all in the office having those spontaneous conversations. How do you make sure we're aligned? And of course, OKRs, when done well, is actually that's a terrific aspect of the model. It really does unite people around a common purpose because you've got to develop OKRs that signal your contribution to strategy so it's a great way for teams to come together so i think regardless of what direction the future of work goes goes to i think we're going to see more and more organizations adopting okrs because again it helps unite uh, employees and teams around a common purpose and do you think there's a realization in companies that okr is going to be even more important now uh, with the distributed workforce uh, you know uh, virtual onboarding happening everywhere, and uh, it's not easy to uh, even get employees buy into the company culture because it's all virtual. So, do you think OKR is going to enable all these uh, processes? Yeah, I think there's a, you know there, we talked about kind of the future of work, but uh, you know that's kind of a, a, a big challenge organizations have to face. On the positive side, um, I split my time between the United States and Canada, okay. so I know a lot about those two countries, not not other countries in the world, but. Of course, there's been so much pent up demand here after the pandemic and vaccination rates are very high. The US economy, of course, is very, very strong. And so organizations want to take advantage of that, which means growing. And in fact, it's interesting, Raghu, in, in my research, I've discovered that 90% of all strategic plans have some reference to growth. Everybody yeah. wants to grow. And now, especially, is a tremendous time for growth. But uh, what tends to impede growth in most companies is a lack of focus. So again, I think this is another reason post-pandemic we're going to see even more interest in OKRs because again, when done well, I keep using that caveat, when done well, OKRs can really ensure that you focus on what matters most to executing your strategy right now. So I think when you look at the factors in the world right now, the, the future of work, whether it's that hybrid model that we talked about, you look at companies that are seeing all this demand now as economies around the world are revving back up to pre-pandemic levels, they need to focus. 
OKRs can help with that. So I think the uh, the future is bright for the world of OKRs. And uh, we, we usually talk OKR from company goals, company objectives. Now, from the teams and individual employees' perspective, how is that going to enable them or how is them make them be more productive? Is there a uh, kind of, what do you say, uh, any data that suggests that? Yeah, it's interesting here. I'll, I'll back up a little bit on that question and, and go a very, very meta level here. You know, why do people work? And of course, everybody wants a paycheck. Fair compensation yeah. is, is crucial. I mean, I, I charge my clients for our services. <laughs> That's really important. But, you know, all of the data, and this goes back decades, suggests that people want meaning and purpose in their work. That's that's right. really important. And, you know, what's interesting, there's a professor at Harvard University named Teresa Mobley, who, whose work I follow. She wrote a terrific book a few years ago called The Progress Principle. And in that book, she talks about, you know, what does it take to improve employees' motivation and engagement during the workday? She's done, again, decades of study on this. And what, what she has determined is that the single biggest thing you can do to boost employees' motivation and engagement during the workday is give people the chance to show progress on meaningful work. Just think about that for a second. Progress yeah. on meaningful work, and you're nodding your head as I, as I do as well, because that makes sense. When, when we move yeah. forward on a meaningful project, everything just feels good about the day, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. you and I could we could sit here and churn through 100 emails, but it's you, you know you don't feel that good at the end of the day, and that's what OKRs can do for you. When when you write a you know good effective OKR that signals your contribution to the company, and of course you know you don't write an OKR with a key result that you're going to work on a year from now. It's you're hopefully you're making progress throughout that quarter or whatever your cadence is. So you have the chance to show progress on meaningful work. And again, I think that's that's not a highly touted benefit of OKRs, but I think it's you know, John Doerr talks about OKR superpowers. I think that's a hidden superpower, right? Absolutely. The chance to show progress on meaningful work. Because uh, uh, we actually started on an OKR journey uh, in terms of implementing uh, in my in our company ourselves. Uh, and then we are, we are looking at, okay, these are challenges. And we know that uh, we are monitoring our performance based on the company goals. You know, it's, and we are, I could see how customers uh, can, uh, can face the challenges or what kind of challenge they would face when they implement OKRs. Now, is there a way where it, all the levels, all the employees, level, it's a low level or mid level, will they be fully involved in OKR or will they be able to understand how OKR works, and do you think that visibility of what are the company objectives flows through the organization? Yeah, I think, so again there, for OKRs to work well, and if you want to connect from top to bottom, it really starts with the executive team, the leadership of the company. You know, it's, uh, this is one of the most distressing statistics I've come along in my, <laughs> come across in my research, but only about 10% of organizations effectively execute their strategies. So why is that? If you dig a little deeper, you find that in and there are a lot of there's a lot of research that backs up what I'm about to say. Only about five percent of the typical workforce understands the strategy, and you know we see this with our clients all the time. They 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 share this statistics like that with us. So we have to start right there. So to succeed with OKRs, you have to go way back and say, okay, what is our company strategy, and then you have to communicate that so everybody understands it. Just getting across that hurdle is enormous. And then once you do that, of course, you have to have, you know, everybody can have OKRs, but it's not a matter. And you know, this is the fact that OKRs are a simple methodology is a, is a kind of a double-edged sword because sure, it's easy to implement, but that doesn't mean it should be done simplistically. 
you need to have conversations throughout the organization so that if I report to you, Raghu, for example, I would share my OKRs in the context of the company's strategy. I would see how I fit in. So OKRs can be tremendously effective for teams and individuals as long as the company has done the, the work of developing a strategy, communicating it, and ensuring these conversations are taking place throughout the organization. You know, you read a lot about uh, OKRs really fostering strategic conversations, but again, we see a lot of organizations falling short of that, and, and that's where OKRs can really break down when they have people create OKRs in a vacuum without that strategic right. context. So it can be extremely effective for teams and individuals, even at the tactical level, but you have to have those prerequisites in place that I talked about. And when you're looking at uh, company size, a large, small, so are there, uh, is it something like, hey, OKRs should be done only for uh, companies of certain size, you know? Uh, are there anything like that? Or you say anybody who runs a business can, uh, can use OKR, can implement OKR? Sure. Well, I just talked about the importance of strategy and you know, every company in the world, whether you're a small startup of five people or you're Google, you need some form of strategy, right? So, you know, what is our plan for, you know, over overcoming our competition and winning in our markets? You, you need that. And so you, by that yardstick, every organization in the world could have OKRs because you need right. a means to execute. And so we have not seen, you know, we've got clients against startups, but we've got Fortune 50 companies, government agencies, nonprofit. It, there's really no problem. It's really not industry specific. When we see organizations succeeding or cha having challenges with OKRs, it always comes down to what I call the soft things. And what I mean by soft things are like executive support that I talked about. Do executives understand that they have a guiding rationale for OKRs? Have, has the company provided training on OKR so everybody understands how the model works? Is there a champion in place and a group of ambassadors? So it's always the change management aspect that tends to trip it up. But no, but to answer your question, we don't see any uh, industry-specific barriers. All organizations, all sizes can benefit from OKRs when done well. So since you started uh, uh, talking about OKR, observing it, how companies implement it, have you seen any changes or it just remains the same? I mean, in terms of what's there for OKR in the future, uh, how is it kind of, you can say, uh, morphed into something different? I mean, just want to level up to think your take there. Sure. Well, that's one of the fun things about my job is that this is not a static model. And that's why I love working in this arena. Of course, we're learning more about, you know, organizations have been around for hundreds of years, but we're learning how to manage better all the time. And this is changing as well. Uh, a couple of big trends I'm seeing with OKRs, number one is, is cadence. So, you know, when OKRs really hit the vanguard and became very popular, it was just assumed that you would operate on a 90 day, so a quarterly cadence. But we have clients challenging that. It doesn't work for every client because maybe they have a seasonal or cyclical business, or maybe it's a school district that operates on a school year. It could be anything. Right now, we have clients that are using four-month periods that they, they call trimesters. We've got clients that right. use six-month periods. Anything beyond that is probably a little bit too much, but I really like that people are, chall are challenging that assumption saying, what is the right cadence for us? And if you're in a, you know, a business or an industry that's moving very, very quickly, maybe even monthly, it, you know, it's possible. So you have to match the cadence of your OKRs to the industry you're in and the, the culture that you have, all sorts of factors. So, I think that that's one. Have you seen that as well in, in your in your work? Yeah, so uh, I think our biggest challenge was getting clarity. You know, So one thing we found was 
when you start the OKR, when implementing OKR, the first thing we need to what is the what do you want to do? The clarity it brings the clarity, and then once the clarity is there, we are able to break it down to, into two three parts in terms of okay, this uh, marketing. I, I think I had the marketing. Okay, what am I going to do next ninety days? And we actually were uh, kind of debating should it be ninety days or sixty days, or yeah. even in uh, or six uh, six months. So. And then we realize maybe six months too long. Let's go with the uh, accepted rule of 90. But then if things have to change, we can always uh, extend it to six months. So, you know, it's once the business is more predictable. So we were having these conversations and I think it really helped in uh, uh, at least get the ball rolling so that we know, okay, this three months we are here, but okay, we overestimated this part of the function. Maybe next uh, quarter when we do it, we need to know how can we put it. Farther are are we realistic in our goals? So it kind of uh, needle those kind of conversations in the company. I think which is which we probably didn't do as often as we want to. So I think that way definitely was a uh, huge thing for us. I think that's a really good tip for all of our your listeners today too. Is that uh, I always tell my clients, you know, in in finance that we have generally accepting accounting principles. Virtually every right. company in the world has to adhere to these these rules. That should not be the case with OKRs. You should use the model and customize it to fit your circumstances. As you said, you, you might start with 90 day period, or 90 day periods and extend it to six months if that's appropriate. So good. Yeah. The second trend I wanted to talk about briefly was, this is a very interesting one too, Raghu. If you look at all the literature around OKRs, it's very clear that you would never link it to incentive compensation. Right. The idea of course is that employees or teams might sandbag, which means setting artificially low targets to achieve their bonus. What, what's fascinating to me is, and you mentioned this in your introduction, I have a background as well in balanced scorecard, which um, without getting into too much of the details, OKRs and balanced scorecards share a lot of the same traits. They're fairly similar frameworks, of course there are some differences. But in the balanced scorecard world, it's not even a question of, of if you would link to incentive compensation, it's when. It was always assumed, which is very interesting. With OKRs, it's the opposite. And I'm seeing organizations now question that and think, maybe could there be a link? And you know, again, my personal uh, opinion here is that that sandbagging argument is it's not really warranted because, and here's why. Again, when you create OKRs, it shouldn't be, again, let's say I report to you, I'm not going to submit my OKRs to you and you would just rubber stamp them and say, these are right. good. We right. should be having a conversation. And if we're having that conversation, which of course is a key part of the OKR process, you should be able as my manager or, or the person I report to say, Paul, I don't think you're stretching yourself here. Or what is your rationale for this target? Why did you choose it? And you know, right. if, if I'm fooling you, well, that's kind of shame on you, right? And that's, and so, <laughs> I'm sorry to pick on you here, but it could be the same thing with me. Yeah. But the idea is if we're having realistic conversations about this, then I think you can overcome, you can overcome that challenge of sandbagging. And when you think about it, what we're doing with OKRs is asking people for exceptional performance, right? right. OKRs are not about business as usual tasks. It's about, you know, 10X uh, improvements and things. So if we're putting this expectation on people, shouldn't they be rewarded? So this is a very interesting and evolving field. I'm very anxious to see what's going to happen in the next year or two around uh, incentive compensation and OKRs. I think it, it also promotes accountability, right? So it's not just me being accountable, my boss is accountable and his boss is accountable, right? So I think that's why I see that there's accountability through the chain. It's not that, you know, hey, my job is done and that's, you know, it's, it's not. So I think that way, I think uh, OKR was a revelation when we started looking at it. So. 
Okay, great. Thanks, Paul. I mean, it's amazing conversation, right? So a lot of insights uh, from you, and thanks for taking time and joining us. Um, uh, this is another episode of Sinister Talent Cast. Until next time, uh, be safe. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah.